Coming up on Stu Does America, Seamus Bruner of the Government Accountability Institute is here to tell us the latest salacious details in the Hunter Biden saga. Then Pat Gray stops in to discuss our favorite, or should I say most infuriating moments from last night's debate. Thanks so much for tuning into my stupid little live debate commentary stream last night on my YouTube channel. If you want to join uh, the fun in the future, be sure to head to YouTube, search my name, Stu, subscribe to the first channel there. It's that easy. Or get the show on convenient audio format. Just hit up your favorite podcast provider and be sure to leave a five-star review. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Blaze TV subscribers know exactly how much more exclusive conservative content they're getting than the people just kind of browsing the free sites. If you want to be a part of the crew, blazetv.com slash stew. Sign up with the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And it'll knock 30 bucks off your price. At least I think it's from now until Election Day. You want to get on board with that one. We're blessedly finished with the presidential debates for this election season. Let's stick a fork in it. Let's call it done as we do the worst moments from the final debate. Stu does America. Welcome to the program. You know, we named it the worst moments from the debate, but honestly, I thought it was a pretty good debate last night. Generally speaking, I thought the debate had some substance. I thought the moderator was not terrible. Uh, I thought there were some good things that came out of it. I thought Donald Trump's uh, performance was pretty good. I thought Donald Trump uh, did what he needed to do uh, last night. And uh, Joe Biden, I thought, was decent at the beginning of the debate, but slipped as we got later and later on. And uh, that's a that's a little worrisome if you are talking about it being president of the United States. I don't know if anyone's ever thought of that, but I think... I'm a little bit concerned about it. This is probably the biggest slip up as he was getting. You could tell he was getting a little bit more dazed. And at one point, he just sort of volunteered this answer about the oil industry uh, in the United States. And if you know anything about oil, natural gas, energy, a lot of swing states think it's pretty freaking important. Let's watch. Would you close down the oil industry? I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I will that's transition. a big It is a big statement. That's a because big statement. I would stop. Why would you do that? Because the oil industry pollutes significantly. Oh, I see. And here's the deal. But that's you can't a big do statement. That. Well, if you let me finish the statement, because it has to be replaced by renewable energy oh. over time, over time. And I'd stop giving to the oil industry. I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. He won't give federal subsidies to the to the gas. Excuse me, to the to uh, <laughs> solar and wind. Yeah. Why are we giving it to oil industry? We actually do All give right. it to solar and wind. We and have that's one maybe final the biggest question. statement in terms of business. That's the biggest statement. Okay. Because basically, what he's saying question, is he is Mr. going President. to destroy the oil industry. Okay. Will you remember that Texas? Will you okay. remember that Pennsylvania, Oklahoma? Vice President Biden, let me give you 10 seconds to respond, Ohio. and then I have to get to the final question. Vice President <laughs> All right. Biden. Uh, so it, you see there, that's a big deal, right? I mean, it's not surprising if you happen to be the type of person who follows these things closely. But if you're in a swing state, you're thinking, oh, maybe Joe Biden, I can deal with him. He seems harmless. Well, he wants to blow up a lot of jobs. I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, and, you know, as, as we've showed you a ton of times, not going to do anything as far as global warming. Um, In fact, one of the things that helps global warming more than anything is fracking uh, because natural gas replacing coal and oil lowers emissions. Very simple formula. It's why we have the lowest emissions we've had in a long time. Here's Joe Biden talking about banning fracking. 
And, and what about fracking? All right, now, let me, now we let have me, have, to ask let me allow fracking. Vice President I Biden to respond. I never said I oppose fracking. You said it I, on tape. I did show the tape. Put it on your website. I'll put it on. Put it on the website. The fact of the matter is show he's flat lying. Okay, Would stop. You See, this is a problem. Donald Trump listened to you, and guess what he did? He put it on his website. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those. I guarantee you we're going to end fossil fuel. No more, no new fracking. I'd gradually move away from fracking. And I think it's critically important on day one that we end any fossil fuel leases on public lands. Oh, well, like, what about, say, stopping fracking and stopping Exactly. They, they want to do the same thing I want to do. They want to phase out fossil fuels, and we're going to phase out fossil fuels. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. The one moment there, I think it's the second or third clip, where he kind of leans into someone, the, the, the shot is far away. You see Joe way in the distance. He says, uh, the full clip says something like, you know, he says, I want you to look me in the eye. Look me in the eye. We're going to stop. Fr- we're not going to, we're going to end fracking. It's, it's a very personal moment, uh, and uh, that's a quick action by the Trump campaign, who probably knew he was going to d- deny it. They continue to deny this, and you know it's going to piss off the left flank. They're all ignoring it because they don't want to blow up uh, this lead that they think he has. We'll see. Um, another incredible moment last night was this one. This is uh, Donald Trump, and he's talking about the border, and he uses a term that it leads to one of the most flabbergasting things I've ever seen. Watch. The United States can't locate the parents of more than 500 children. So how will these families ever be reunited? Uh, children are brought here by coyotes and lots of bad people, cartels, and they're brought here and they used to use them to get into our country. We now have as strong a border as we've ever had. Relatively, uh, I don't think it was a notable exchange there, right? One thing about the families you should know is what Biden's trying to say about them. It's not true. Uh, You know, this what's basically happened is a a mother and let's say a mother and a father and a kid come into the country. They separate them uh, and they were doing that, you know, for that short period of time. And what happened after that is the parents went back to their country and they're not they can't contact them. So now they don't know what to do. Basically, the the parents left these kids behind in many, many cases. Um, But more importantly was this the use of the word coyotes. Now, you know what that means in this context. I know what that means in that context. Apparently, nobody on the left understands what that means in this context. Incredible. Let me give you this is Jamel Hill. She was shot coyotes, dog like. No, we're not saying actual coyotes. And you might say, all right, maybe she, she, that's not what she meant. Well, someone on the Internet and did, went through and found all the people who were just shocked by the use of the word coyotes. Look at some of these. Um, I, I want to give you, uh, I mean, these are incredible. All blue check marks. And they're all coyotes. Uh, I mean, they're shocked. Um, uh, children being brought to America by coyotes. Did he just say coyotes? Did he say children are brought here by coyotes? What does that even mean? Uh, going on. Uh, please explain. Children are, are brought here by coyotes. I'm certain that's not literal. Uh, what does it mean? Children are bought by coyotes. I, not the coyotes being blamed now. I don't think these children are being brought here by coyotes. There's several 
Oh my word, what children are being brought here by coyotes, you loon? They had no idea that coyotes means, you know, smugglers, uh, human smugglers, right? People who get paid in the shady, they bring you across the border. It's something, a very common word in the debate. And I sat here and I thought, my God, we have been debating immigration for a decade or more with people who have no idea even what the basic elements of the debate are. They don't know the terminology. They don't know anything about it. No wonder they don't understand these debates. They don't, they're not even familiar with them. Shocking thing to see. People thought they actually meant like the wolf-looking thing dragging children across the Rio Grande. Many of them put that in their tweets. Unreal. Back in a second. So if you want to lose weight and you're sick of the whole diet thing, like I think most Americans are, people, you know, they don't want to do that. It's annoying because, you you know, you do a really good job. You make it through a month and you lose one pound a a week. They're like, don't lose weight too fast. That's too fast. Well, if you lose weight too fast, it's not right. Well, look, there's some limit to this, I suppose. Uh, But Fast Blast actually uh, has a way for you to lose weight that's safe, it's healthy, and it happens quickly. You can see results in just a day or two. FastPlast has launched a new app called Fasten. Um, now Fasten is awesome. It's free. It helps you track and monitor your weight loss, uh, your hydration, uh, your, even your mood can be tracked. Um, and they have a ton of information in there that helps people that are new to intermittent fasting or those considering starting and seeing if it works for them. Well, they have a great uh, Facebook community as well that's really supportive. If you have questions, if you're like on the on the edge, you're like, I'm about to jam down nine Twinkies down my throat. You can go on there. People are supportive and help you out uh, through it uh, and and give you tips on on recipes, on different ways to get through those tougher moments. They're great. Uh, Do your own homework. I, uh, of course, urge you to go to the Fasten app. Read about it. Understand F-A-S-T-E-N is the app. You can go to your app store. It's there right now. It's free. Fastblast.com slash blaze. They'll direct you there as well. Fastblast.com slash blaze for the free app to get started today. I'm joined on by Seamus Bruner. He's with the Government Accountability Institute. Co-authored a book with John Solomon uh, as well. Fallout, nuclear bribes, Russian spies, and the Washington lies that enriched the Clinton and Biden dynasties. Seamus, thanks for coming on the program. It's great to be with you, Stu. Thanks. You know, and I got to say legitimately thank you. I I don't think without you and Peter Schweizer and John Solomon that we would have any idea of the scope of what the Bidens have been doing over the past several decades. Um, It's probably interesting to see some of this come up in the debate last night. Uh, I'm, I'm sure as, you, as you've worked through all of this, to see it on, on the debate stage is, is pretty interesting. It's a difficult thing, though, I think, to kind of communicate to people who are coming from ground zero with no knowledge about what has gone on. Can you kind of give us a, um, a 101 sort of version of, of, of what has gone on with, with Joe Biden, his family and China? Yeah, it's well. It's a, it's a simple story. It's old as time. It's it's uh, peddling influence. It's fo- it's foreign influence. I mean, George Washington warned us about foreign influence, and uh, selling access is a very common story in Washington D.C. So, what these new emails and the new documents that have come from multiple business partners of the son of the vice president, Hunter Biden, show that this is not about Hunter Biden. This is really about Joe Biden. 
and what they could deliver to their foreign business partners. That is, the Biden family could deliver to their foreign business partners. Um, so there are several different sources of of this information. You guys have done work over many, many years on this to kind of build the foundation of it. And then we've had several troves of emails that have come out kind of at the same time. The Hunter Biden laptop, I think because of the backstory, has had the most attention. Um, but you guys don't you guys got these uh, access to these emails from other sources. Can you explain where they came from? Sure. So so. The New York Post was the first one with the Hunter Biden laptop, and, and we didn't really know anything about that. But almost around the same time, I guess, one of Hunter Biden's former business associates, a man named Bevan Cooney, who is now in prison, uh, got a hold of us through a, a fellow investigative journalist, Matthew Tiermond, and said, I would love you guys to go through my emails. I feel like I was a fall guy. I was a scapegoat for Hunter Biden and Devin Archer. And so please go through my emails and see if you can report any of the shady activities that was going on. So we had Bevan Cooney's emails. Now, the newest person to come forward is a man named Tony Bobulinski, and he was even closer to the Biden orbit. Bevan Cooney was sort of just on the periphery. He was very close with Devin Archer, who was basically Hunter Biden's right-hand man in a lot of these dealings. But uh, but Tony Bobulinski is the new guy who has come forward. He's provided access to us and others, and he really wants to get his text messages and emails out. Um, he was right there in the thick of it. And so these are now two business partners of Hunter Biden who have flipped. We've been in uh, communication with others who would like to uh, flip, for lack of a better term. And I think there's going to be a lot more documents that come out. Now, of course, everybody wishes that this had happened a long time ago. Obviously, people have uh, been voting and whatnot. So this information has been secret right up until now. Um, we're going through it just as fast as we can. And uh, we're, we're putting out stories. We got a story in Breitbart today about uh, more details on that takeover of the Michigan-based auto manufacturer by the Chinese military contractor, AVIC. Do you have a, a sense, um, before we get into kind of the details of these, do we have a sense as to what the motivation is? I think a lot of people see this, it's a couple of weeks before the election, and people are thinking it's just some sort of political attack. But again, like if it was a political attack, it would have been much better to come out earlier so people would have time to go through this before voting even started. What's the motivation of these two guys to try to shine light on the Biden operation? Well, I, I think the motivation, I mean, it, for Bevan Cooney, it's, it's clearly patriotism. Um, he, he, you know, there's no incentive for Bevan Cooney to release his private inbox. I mean, there are some very personal things going on in here. Um, and, and it's, you know, at times you're like, oh, I wish I'm, I wish I weren't reading over this stuff. <laughs> but uh, so, so, I mean, there's no reason to give his personal inbox other than he thought that justice has not been done. Um, and I guess, you know, as I, you know, political uh, type investigative journalists like ourselves, like you and, and Glenn Beck and the folks at The Blaze, like we've been steeped in all of this st politics for the past year, 18 months, maybe two years. But I think it's just now getting onto people's radars. Some people who don't like to stay in the politics, it's just now getting on their radars and they're thinking to themselves, man, I don't know that I could live with myself 
if I am not fully transparent with what I knew mm. the Bidens were up to. Yeah, and, and when you say fully transparent, that's an important part of this. It's This is not him sending you over some printed emails he thinks will be key to this investigation. He literally like basically gave you guys the password to his account so you could go through and look through every single email that came in over a multi-year per, uh, period. Exactly, exactly. It's 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 really stunning. I've I've never been, you know, we've never really been provided with access like this to someone's account. Um, you, you know, they're they're high-fiving after each deal like, yeah, way to go. The Chinese just bought out an American manufacturer. This is great. Mm. Let's use this as a model for future successful deals. It's really the stuff that you assume goes on in the background, but you never really get, you know, a peek at and so Bevan Cooney provided us that peak, and, and so did Tony Bobolinsky. Um, now I don't, you know, I Tony Bobolinsky's are a little different. It's not the documents are authentic; you can authenticate them. The text messages are a lot of screenshots and snapshots. So each each batch, if you will, the New York Post, Giuliani, Hunter laptop batch, they all have different things of value. That batch, the thing it has of value is it was purportedly Hunter Biden's own laptop. So everything there is relevant to the Biden family. Mm. If you come to Bevin, but, but the thing that's, you know, questionable is where did it come from? How did it get there? All of those, those questions. Um, the, the good thing about the Bevin Cooney material is we know 100% it, it could not have been spoofed. It couldn't have been hacked. It couldn't have been planted. I mean, G- Gmail, Google would have to be in on it. And we certainly know that that's not the case. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Um, so you mentioned, uh, let's go through uh, one one of these uh, deals, if you will. Um, look, Michigan's a very important state in this election. Uh, people and voters in Michigan are probably be very interested to know if uh, if one of these candidates is involved in closing down factories in their state. Can you tell me about this uh, this this Michigan uh, situation? Sure, sure. The, the the company was called Hennig's Automotive. It's a very old American company. I, I want to say fifty or even maybe more years old, um, operating in Michigan, and uh, it makes these seals that are usually for car you know car parts to seal off the windows. So um, in 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 the doors, you know, mm-hmm. so your car is sealed. Um, but that, that technology and that materials is actually on the export control list because it can be used in fighter jets, for example. Um, and so this is a controlled technology. It has what's called dual uses, dual civilian and military uses. And that means it's a, protect, a protected technology. We shouldn't be selling it off to our adversary. And there's absolutely no question that this deal would not have gone through. By the way, this is an, another CFIUS beauty kind of like the Uranium One deal where it was approved by the Obama-Biden administration. John Kerry, the Secretary of State, plays a re- leading role. And what these emails that we and these documents that we've gotten have shown is they really disguised the ownership. Hunter Biden and his Chinese business partners, they partnered together. Uh, Hunter Biden's Bohai Harvest, BHR, partnered with the Chinese AVIC, the Aviation Industry of China, corporation. And uh, it's basically a, an extension of the People's Liberation Army. It's the, it's the Chinese military, basically, that Hunter Biden partnered with. Um, if Hunter Biden was not a partner with that, if his firm was not a partner with that, there's very little doubt this would not have gone through because you don't sell dual use technologies to the Chinese military. Um, there's, there's more to that. And, and, and Secretary Kerry comes in and his daughter comes in. And it's just like another crooked, Scythius deal from the Obama 
Biden administration that allowed one of our adversaries to capture a very sensitive technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and is this uh, the motivation here? Is it personal enrichment? Is it just uh, a kind of a constant desire to grow the power of this family? How do you how do you how do you put that in perspective? Well, well, money was the motivation, as it is for for many people, at least for Hunter Biden's business partners. When you go through the emails, they use this one term a lot, honey. They said, we, we need to get some more honey. This will be a nice honey trap. Uh, we need to put some honey into Hunter Biden's pockets. Uh, we need to leverage Hunter Biden more so that we, we can get more honey. So, you know, it's all about money. And they're, they're, they're kind of hyping, at least for the business partners, for for the Biden family, I, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's probably a lot more than that because they, they live very well and have, have been for a long time. You'd think they could kind of rest on the, the millions they've made, but no, they, they keep making deals even after Joe Biden leaves office. Mm. Uh, you know, you guys have done so much great work on, on getting this, not only from even Democrats, but Republicans across the aisle, you, you know, sinking your teeth into this has been really important and, and people uh, need to know about the work you guys have done at the Government uh, Accountability Institute. Um, can you kind of give us a sense though, after looking at so many figures over such a long period of time, where do the Bidens stack up? Are they a run-of-the-mill sort of uh, uh, corrupt organization or family, or are they? Do they stand out in a big way? Well, uh, <laughs> it's a good, it's a really good question, Stu. Uh, I would say Clinton Cash. That book was my favorite to work on. The sums in that book were so huge. I don't know that anybody could top the Clintons, <laughs> but the Bidens have certainly tried. Yeah. And it's and it's more family members. And I mean, the Clintons never got a billion and a half dollar private equity deal bankrolled by the Bank of China, state-owned bank, aka the Chinese government. Um, so, so there, there's uh, there's some really shocking things that I don't even think the Clintons were brazen enough to do. Um, but I would I would put them right up there in the Hall of Fame alongside <laughs> Hillary and Bill Clinton. And do we have any idea if Joe Biden actually received any of these funds? Do we just have indications of that or do we know that it went beyond Hunter Biden? Because one of the things I get a lot of pushback on the story is, look, I, we know Hunter Biden was shady. We know Hunter Biden was doing all sorts of crazy things. Why should that affect my vote on Joe Biden? That's, it's, an, it's another great question. Um, so until this past week, there had not been any evidence that Joe Biden was personally profiting. Now, of course, you know, they, the Biden family has ba- vacation homes and beach houses and the multi-millions of dollars. Hunter Biden's got a mansion. Joe Biden's got a massive mansion. They live like, you know, very, very well-off people, not like public servants. Um, but there had not been any direct evidence that Joe Biden had personally profited. And, and last night at the debate, he says that. And he says, look at my tax returns. I've, I've put out 22 years of tax returns. Well, everybody knows that the point of Ho, uh, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and, and James Biden and Frank Biden making all the deals is Joe Biden's fingerprints don't have to be on anything. And so the evidence that is now coming out from Tony Bobolinsky, where he's talking about the big guy, and the president brought this up last night is there is increasingly evidence that Joe Biden, perhaps through a shell corporation, or maybe it was held by Hunter Biden, was involved in these deals. I mean, there's, uh, 
you know, there's no other, you would never, if you were Joe Biden, you would never put it on your tax return. It's kind of like how he says he never met with the Ukrainian uh, Burisma executive. They say it wasn't on the official schedule, nor would it be. (laughs) Uh, These guys are, these, these guys are experts. He's been in politics for 50 years. He knows what a Senate disclosure report looks like. He knows what assets and liabilities he has to list. So, I mean, the, you know, the Clintons had a foundation. It appears that Joe Biden had his family. Mm. It's like when they always say there's no such thing as voter fraud because we haven't ca- caught any of it. Well, it's like that's the whole point of fraud is to not get caught. You're not going to catch it. Uh, Seamus Bruner of the Government Accountability Institute. Uh, be sure to pick up his book with John Solomon. It's uh, Fallout, Nuclear Bribes, Russian Spies and the Washington Lies that Enrich Clinton and the Clinton and Biden dynasties. Seamus, thanks so much for going through this. And thanks for all the work you guys do. Sincerely, it really needs to be done. And you guys are the only people. That, there's apparently no journalists who want to do this stuff. Uh, so thank God you guys are there to do it. Well, same to you, Stu. You're, you, you're great, and, and Glenn's great, and The Blaze is just an amazing, amazing network. So thank you. Thank you, James. All right, back in a second. It was an interesting part of the debate last night when Donald Trump and Joe Biden were talking about the border and kids being put in cages. Of course, Donald Trump was being blamed for it by uh, Joe Biden. Uh, Trump had a good response to it. Watch. They did it. We changed the policy. Your response they to did that? It. We, we changed. did not. They built the cages. The, they, who, who built the cages, let's, Joe? Let's talk about what who we're talking about. Who built the cages, Joe? Let's talk about what we're yeah, talking about. You know, Joe, who did build those cages? Uh, I like that response so much, and I want an answer to the question from Biden so much. We've got a T-shirt ready for you. Uh, who built the cages? I, it's a good question. Maybe if you wear it. Joe will actually answer it this time. He never did in the debate last night. Who built the cages, Joe? Who built the cages? You can get it at stewdoesmerch.com. Back in a second. Today's Friday. Nothing like that Friday feeling. You go home and relax a little bit. You don't have to wait for the Friday day to have the Friday feeling, though. Uh, you, you don't have to have it once a week. Why bother with that? You have First Leaf to take care of this problem for you. First Leaf can make any day feel like Friday. First Leaf is a wine club that sends personalized selections of wine from top vineyards around the world directly to you. Basically, you go on the site, you fill out your preferences. What kind of wine do you like? What, do you like sweet? Do you like red? Do you like white? What do you like? Uh, like a little rosé, go through the whole thing. The whole Billy Joel song uh, worth of wines, and you'll get there. Get your preferences in, and then it's kind of like Stitch Fix for wine, where they'll then customize a box of wine to send to you. My my wife filled this out. She just got hers the other day. There it is. Uh, She got six boxes of wine sent to her. Uh, She's a big fan, and uh, she's very happy about this. Subscriptions are flexible. Shipments arrive on your schedule with basically no effort, and they keep refining it as you go. You get the new bottles of wine you've never tried before. It's great. Try that. uh, Try First Leaf now. It's great. Um, Go there. Six bottles for $29.95 or 12 bottles for $59.95. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash stew try slash stew the slash stew part of the address is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show plus you'll get the six bottles of wine for 29.95 or 12 for 59.95 at tryfirstleaf.com slash stew 
say over soon. I say we're learning to live with it. We have no choice. We can't lock ourselves up in a basement like Joe does. He has the <laughs> he has the ability to lock himself up. I don't know. He's obviously made a lot of money someplace, but he has this thing about living in a basement. People can't do that. By the way, I, as the president, couldn't do that. I'd love to put myself in the basement or in a beautiful room in the White House and go away for a year and a half until it disappears. I can't do that. And Kirsten, every t every meeting I had, every meeting I had, and I'd meet a lot of families, including Gold Star families and military families, every meeting I had, and I had to meet them. I had to. It would be horrible to have canceled everything. I said, you know, this is dangerous. And you catch it. And you know, I caught it. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Great doctors, great hospitals. And now I recovered. 99.9 of young people recover. 99% of people recover. We have to recover. We can't close up our nation. We have to open our school and we can't close up our nation or you're not going to have a nation. All right, here to uh, talk about the debate last night and, uh, and uh, whether we should all be in our basements. Pat Gray of uh, Pat Gray Unleashed. Uh, Blaze TV, of course, is the place to get it. You can go to blazetv.com slash stew. Uh, use the promo code stew. You'll save your 30 bucks. Or you can get Pat on YouTube and save 100% because that's absolutely free. Pat, thanks for coming on. Thank you. May I just quote the president? Yes. And you catch it. And I caught it. <laughs> that's, I mean, he did summarize powerful. the entire situation. Uh, it was powerful right there. <laughs> I love that he said that, that uh, Biden stayed in his basement because he is. He puts the lid on the day at 7.55 a.m. Okay, we're done. Good night, press. We'll see you tomorrow. I want to call the lid on so many things. Like yeah. I, the, lid, I, the lid is something I actually like from the Biden campaign. Yeah. I just want to put it on all sorts of stuff. I hadn't heard the term before as far as campaigns are concerned, but no. we hear it all the time with him. Like some days I wake up and like 11 a.m. Put a lid on the day. I'm going to put a lid on the day. Yeah. I'm not going out. I don't want to hear anything. I don't hear any whining. <laughs> I don't want to hear any arguing. I'm just putting a lid on it. Putting a lid on it. That's, the, that's it for the day. I nobody, like compares, nobody complains about it. No. The, the press, if that was Trump putting a lid on the day, yeah. they'd be all over him. So how do you think he did on the COVID situation? Because here's Trump. He's, in a, he, he's not polling well on the COVID uh, talk. Yeah. Um, he needs to come up with some argument. It's obviously the thing, you know, it's right up there with the economy, which is obviously closely related as the top topic. Uh, how do you think he did with that? I didn't think he was terrible, but I think he could be better on it. I, I, I think he could cite facts and figures and he could put a stop to this 200,000, 220,000 deaths that he's responsible for. Oh, nonsense. Yeah. I mean, they they don't know. They're, what are you, God? You can tell us how many <laughs> w would have died had I done a certain thing that you think I should have done. I mean, he needs to put them in their place on that because it's outrageous yeah, he, what they're doing to him on it. He's tried to do this thing, and I think it's the right thing to do, but he, I don't think he's necessarily nailed it yet. But like the only thing that we, we hear from the left all the time that scientists uh, tell us, uh, we got to listen to scientists, we got to listen to scientists. Well, the scientists came out and they said 2.2 million people would die if we didn't do anything. Right. Well, he did a bunch of stuff and now 200,000 have died. Uh, that's terrible. We all know it, right? Mm -hmm. But that's also, you know, one-tenth of the amount, roughly, of what they said could happen if he didn't act. And Biden, I guess Joe Kreskin, uh, told us another 200,000 are going to die by the end of the year, before January or something. What? Yeah, yeah, that was a strange one. What? So I don't know what he was trying to do there, because I, as, as far as I know, and you know, I, I have to follow this stuff all the time, I know of no estimate that says we're going to have 
400,000, 420,000, because 200 extra thousand, would be 420,000 by the end of December. No way. I, I, I don't think that's even possible. It would, it would have to get really, really bad, really, really fast. bad, really fast. And the mortality rate is actually going down. Yeah. Less, so if you get it, if you go to the hospital, less people are dying. Mm-hmm. As we figure out how to treat it, right? That makes right. plenty of sense. How to treat it, and maybe it's getting less uh, virulent. virulent. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. And uh, Fauci said it would. Mm-hmm. Probably. He said it was a better chance of it getting less than more. Yep. And so where are you getting that? The 200,000 are going to die by the end of the year. The closest wow. thing I could come up with is there's a the estimate from uh, the University of Washington says, I think, 380,000 by the end, by the beginning of February. Mm. So it's an extra month and it's 40,000 less. Yeah. But that's about as close as I can get. And even that, I mean, I get, even that return is returning us to the sort of death levels that we saw in April. And that's not impossible if we have a moderate outbreak all over the country, I guess. But like, you know, I, we're not going back to another New York situation. I don't think that's happening. I don't think so either. We're, we're taking, you know, a lot more precautions than we did in April. And everybody's kind of on board with the masking of it. I don't even know if that helps, but everybody's doing it. And you're sort of social distancing wherever, whether you uh, are mandated or not. And, and I think people are generally treating this in a pretty reasonable way. So I, I can't see it exploding like that. But uh, I don't know. I guess I guess the Democrats have information from on high that the rest of us are not privy to. All right. Uh, does he make a mistake look, trying to defend the past rather than just look forward? We've got a good you know, look at we've got this big the economy wave is kind of coming back where we're getting better at treating it. We've got the vaccine maybe around the corner looking to the future and saying, hey, there's positive stuff on the horizon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I think he could do a better job defending the past, yeah. uh, and there are ways to do that. But, yeah, it, it, since he can't do that, you could look to the future, but he doesn't do that very well either. <laughs> so. I mean, you know, like Trump, uh, Trump's strength as a campaigner, right? strength as a candidate, I would say, would be large rallies with his base. Yeah, right. the best thing. Now, of course, yeah. most of the year those were illegal. So this has been a problem for him during, during the campaign. He's not the greatest debater, though. I thought his performance last night was probably as strong as I've seen him. I did, too. Yeah, I think that was, I mean, by far his best performance. As far as I can remember, even back in the Clinton, like Clinton, you know, even the primaries yeah. like I, that was as good as as I've seen him. He was good with Savannah Guthrie as well, I thought, the other day. Yeah. Uh, in the in the town hall. That wasn't a yeah. debate, obviously. Well, it kind of was a debate with Savannah Guthrie. <laughs> sort of. She's just not running for anything. <laughs> but he his demeanor was, I think, pretty much perfect. I don't know where he got the coaching or who he finally listened to or if it came from him, he himself. But uh, he did exactly what he needed to do, I think, last night in order to... Uh, win that debate and look presidential and and put Biden somewhat in his place on certain issues. Uh, yeah, I, th- I agree with that. Let, let's look at um, let's look at uh, the border. Uh, here's Joe Biden. Uh, he's talking about DACA. Let's check it out. So why should voters trust you with an immigration overhaul now? Because it made a mistake. It made too. It took too long to get it right. It took too long to get it right. Hmm? I'll be president of the United States, not vice president of the United States. And the fact is, I've That's made it very clear. 
Within yeah. 100 days, I'm going to send to the United States Congress a pathway to citizenship for over 11 million undocumented people. And all of those so-called dreamers, those DACA kids, they're mm -hmm. going to be immediately certified again to be able to stay in this country yeah. and put on a path to citizenship. The idea that they are being sent home by this guy and they want to do that is they've gone to a country they've never seen before. I can imagine you're five years old, your parents are taking you across the, the Rio Grande River and it's, and it's, and it's illegal. Yeah. And you say, oh no, mom, leave me here. I'm not going to go with you. They've been here. Many of them are model citizens. Over 20,000 of them are first responders out there taking care of people during this crisis. We owe them. We owe them. Oh. Oh my God. He had eight years to do what he said he was going to do. And I've changed without having a specific. We got rid of catch and release. We got rid of a lot of horrible things that they put in and that they lived with. But he had eight years. He was vice president. He did nothing except build cages to keep children in. <laughs> Pat, uh, illegal immigrants, uh, we owe them. We owe them. Yeah, that's, uh, oh man. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine if families from America went across the Canadian border illegally and then lived there for years and our kids grew up there? And now you're making this point that, oh, you can't take them back to the United States of America, a country they've never seen. <laughs> what horror that would be. You're talking about them going back to their country of origin uh, for a while and just doing things legally again. And, and really, nobody's even talking about that. You're not going to deport the DACA kids. Uh, but still, is it really that horrifying a proposition? There's no personal responsibility on ever for uh, that's attached to the illegal immigrants who have who have broken our laws. And and we owe them now that that they've been here illegally doing illegal things. And it's not just, by the way, crossing the border illegally. Now, if you're here illegally, obviously you've obtained a Social Security number illegally. You've it's identity theft or you're committing tax fraud now. One of those things would get the rest of us in prison if you're an American <laughs> citizen. Yeah. Uh, the, any combination of those things are definitely going to separate you from your family as an American citizen. You will go to jail. Your family probably won't. Well, apparently they don't owe us. We owe them legal immigrants. Yeah. I, that's a, an interesting way of looking at things. Unbelievable. You know, the border is it, you know, the border has been a fascinating part of this because. Really, when's the last time you heard Trump talk about, like, the wall? It's been a long time. It's been a long time. It really hasn't been part of this debate at all. I was fascinated to see, and I mentioned this earlier, um, when Trump brought up coyotes uh, and, the, you know, bringing the kids across the border. And to watch Twitter, and including blue check Twitter, all verified people, all mocking Trump for the use of coyotes. They think you're talking about a fox. They think you're like talking a, about an, like an animal. animal. And like, <laughs> and like, it hit me last night. It's like Stupid. we've been having this debate right. on immigration for years with people who don't even know the basic terminology of the debate. It's amazing. I, I, it's I'm amazing. flabbergasted by that. Like, it's the same thing that happens with weapons. Like, Michael Bloomberg starts the largest anti-gun organization in America, funnels millions and millions of dollars to it, and then literally doesn't know what an automatic weapon is. <laughs> How is this possible? It's incredible. It is. It is really incredible. Um, so taking a step back, overall picture here, 
he helped himself, you think? Yeah. Right? Yes. Did he help himself enough to tighten this thing and, and make it a big I contest? So. I, I hope so. Now, I read a couple of... We had a story today that there's a couple of polls, and I, I forget which ones they were, that he's starting to tighten. It's like 49, yep. 46. I think it, IBD is one of them. Yeah. Um, tra- uh, uh, Rasmussen's pretty close. So this would keep that momentum going, I think, because he it was a pretty good performance last night. Um, but it, it is amazing to hear the border stuff, because like you said, we've not focused on that at all because we've been so preoccupied with other things like COVID. Uh, what if you tied those two together? Is it not reasonable to find out who's coming across our border now when we're talking about infectious yeah. disease Even like during this? during a pandemic, you can't do it. And, and we're still talking about how we owe them when they're coming across our border. We don't know where they've been. We don't know who they've been exposed to. We don't know if they have the disease or don't have the disease. And they're coming here and spreading it around in our country. I mean, it's it's unbelievable that Biden doesn't see any of those issues. Yeah, because they will still say to this day, uh, you you acted, they'll say Trump acted too slow banning uh, travel from China, which they were mm-hmm. totally on the opposite side of at the time, right. as Biden lied about last night. The same thing with Europe. Cuomo says all the time, oh, he acted too slow on Europe. Well, is it too slow? I mean, how about now? Can we act now on Mexico? Right. Because Mexico has a, what, at least it did a few weeks ago, a 60% positivity test rate. They're not doing the testing that we're doing. They, they've had untold members, mm-hmm. uh, amount of people who have died from COVID there. They're not even tracking the people who are in any reliable way. And still we can't enforce our border. We can't enforce our border. Like, I'm sorry, how many flights come in from Wuhan every day? I mean, it can't be that many, <laughs> right? A lot of people are crossing this border from a place that has a real problem with infection. It's, it's, yes. really, it's really amazing. Um, all right, so uh, coming up, uh, wait, wait, you had uh, more on trivia today, right? It did. Uh, what was the uh, result? Uh, let's see, Pittsburgh uh, over the Tennessee Titans. Two undefeated teams, right? Two undefeated teams. Oh, wow. Is that this weekend? That's a great game. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't as great as last night's Philadelphia Eagles victory, which I watched after debate coverage at like till like one in the morning. And I'm Did really you really? Tired. Yeah, I had to. Oh, I can't I, I can't go a whole day without watching it. I mean, you're yeah. the same way with BYU. Yes, I yes. You would not I let it. I would have watched the game if there had been one. Right. After yes. Is BYU gonna win the national championship? Do we, yes. we have that? They are. Yes, they are. This year. Yes. There's about a ninety nine point eight percent chance of that. Oh really? Yeah. I give it a point two percent chance that it may not happen. But, uh, yes, they win the national championship. Wow. Okay, you heard it here first. Uh, Get your wagers in. Uh, Pat Gray, host of Pat Gray Unleashed here on Blaze TV and, of course, on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to that YouTube channel uh, right now. Get the show every single day. Pat, thanks for coming to the program. No, no. Thank you. Oh, wow. I mean that. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's so nice. Actually, I don't. Back in a second. Uh, when you want to buy a new house, there's only one person to ask about that, Pat Gray. Uh, Pat Gray, you just go to him and you say, hey, where do I get a real estate agent? Because mm-hmm. um, I, I knew a realtor once. Really? Yeah. I wasn't a member of the National Association of Realtors because only realtors, realtors mm-hmm. can be members of the National Association of Realtors. Right. So, so I, you knew a realtor. I did know one. Yeah. Uh, was this realtor particularly good? No. 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 Yeah, that's the problem. I think a lot of times it's worse when you know the person because they, you feel obligated. If they're screwing it up, mm-hmm. there's, there's not much you can do about it. Well, that's why Glenn created realestateagentsitrust.com. And then Pat said, 
I agree. I, I approve of this uh, this venture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a great place to go if you're moving, if you need a real estate agent, if you want to sell your house, especially if you're going to a new area. I think it's a really good way to use it because you're you know, don't just trust a bench. Right. This is they actually, you know, there's an ad on a bench that does not mean that's a good real estate agent. It just means they have a lot of money to buy ads. Uh, real estate agents. I is a different process. They will screen the real estate agents for you in advance. If you're buying or selling a home, you want to make the most money possible. Real estate agents. I is the place to go. Check it out. Real estate agents. I Who built the cages? Who built the cages, Joe? I don't know. I didn't build the cages. Did you build the cages? I didn't build the cages. I didn't build any cages. Seems like Joe may have built the cages, but we won't know unless he answers the question. You can get the shirt now. This one will definitely piss off everyone you know. Uh, Who built the cages is available at stewdoesmerch.com. See you Monday.